The ushers uh, have some, some uh, notes if you would like them. There were some in the bulletin. We're going to be going to Mark chapter 4 today. I got the, uh, I don't know if you've ever had it in a service or somebody says something or something happens and you get, you get sort of, pastor calls them the giggle fits. I had that at the beginning, a little bit right before Pastor Jeff could not figure out why I was laughing uh, so hard down here in the front. And some of you couldn't see it, but he, he mentioned as we, as we prepare to hear Pastor Art's message, how can we fear? And it just, it struck me like, what, are you afraid of what I'm going to say? Or maybe it's the fact that there's 60 verses according to the notes we're going to go through. And it just struck me, it struck me as humorous. I'm like, all right, well, I, I guess I deserve it sometimes. But uh, it was just, it just, it caught me off guard and I just, I couldn't stop laughing down here. But when we talk about the subject of fear though, it's often not very, very much not a laughing matter. It's something that when we start, we start looking at fear and we look at our faith, we, we struggle at times controlling that fear, that anxiety, that worry that, that shows up in its li- our life. In fact, there was for a, for a number of years here, there was, a, there was a TV show that some of you love, some of you probably despise because it was gross, but it was called Fear Factor, and it played completely on people's fears. And, you know, they'd stick you in a box of scorpions, or they'd stick you in a box of snakes, or s- suspend you from a super high spot and say, here, try and run across these cars that for some reason are dangling in the air, and you can jump across them. And, and some people loved it because they look and go, yes, it's an adrenaline rush, I want to do that. And some people would watch and they would look and go, oh, I can't, I can't even watch them jump into a, a vat of scorpions or things like that. I was watching that show and thought, okay, you know that they're not going to do anything for the most part that's going to bring you to the point of death. They're just, they're messing with your mind. They're bringing you to that point where it freaks you out a little bit and you can't handle it. But overall, it's not going to bring you to that point. The problem is in our lives is when we're dealing with the idea of fear and we often fear things that we don't understand or control. When you really boil it down, what are the things? Sure, I, I'm fearful of heights. I do not, I do not like heights I was helping a friend yesterday with, with a roof, and um, actually, I just helped anchor the ground. I didn't go up. I looked, and I'm like, all right, I look, and I say, I, I have a fear of heights. I have a fear of roofs, but I also have faith in gravity, and I don't want to try and even tempt faith there with, with what gravity is going to do. And so I, I looked, and I'm like, I can't control gravity, and I just, it, I don't like heights. There, there, there are different fears, and we could go around and talk about all the different fears that, that people have. And, and look at it. but really when it boils it down, the things that, that really cause anxiety, that cause stress, that cause hardships in our lives, are the things that we do not understand or we do not control. They happened this week in our family. Uh, we, we, uh, it was this week we took both of our children to see the orthodontist to start getting the, uh, getting the initial assessment and what do we need to do for our kids' teeth and doing that whole, that whole uh, dynamic. And everything seemed to go well. And I got a call from Sharon later on the, that, the day. They, they both had one had an appointment on Tuesday, one had it on Wednesday. And she told me, uh, Sharon told me on Wednesday, she's like, uh, one of our children's not doing so well with this. I'm like, it's just a retainer. It's just braces. Come on, it's not the end of the world. And it wasn't any of that. It wasn't even how I'm going to look. It wasn't what's going to happen. It was completely around the idea of we need to do an x-ray on your teeth to see what might be underneath your teeth and how your, your adult teeth are growing in. That completely struck fear into their hearts because they're like, I don't know what's under, underneath my gums. What if there's something wrong with, with my teeth? And they're like, there's already something wrong with your teeth. That's why we're at the orthodontist. <laughs> but 
they're looking in, and the whole fear of the unknown, and I can't do any, if my teeth are wrong, I can't do anything to control that. It, it, was, it was phobia at its finest. And it was a way to look and say, okay, wait a second. Do you believe that God uniquely and wonderfully and fearfully made you? Well, yes. Okay, you believe that. So does that mean that God uniquely and fearfully and wonderfully made your teeth that are in your mouth? Well, yeah. Okay, do you trust that God is in control of your mouth? Well, yeah, you still need to brush your teeth, but you don't. God is in control. And we walk through, we walk through the theology of orthodontics, I guess you would say, the theology of the gum line with, with uh, that child. And they, they really struggled with it, but they finally were able to get under control the fact that, wait, God knows. I don't know what the, the x-ray is going to bring, but God is in control and God knows. It's those things that we don't control. Those things that we don't always understand that begin to drive us. I mean, even think when you talk to people in the, in the world, things that they don't, they don't understand or people that they battle with, they control, or where did I come from? I don't, I don't understand. People, people will look and say, I, I wrestle with this thought. And so it causes fear. It causes uh, anxiety. I don't know where I came from. I don't understand the creation thing. I don't understand all about God. What am I doing here? What's my point in being here? They don't understand the spiritual dynamic, and they start to fear that. We start to wonder, when, what's my purpose? What am I doing at this job? I don't understand what the point is, and we don't have that control, and we start to wrestle with that philosophically, and we start to wrestle with it in our lives, wondering, where is this fear? Where is this anxiety? Where is this worry coming from? Oftentimes, it's from wondering, what's my purpose? What am I doing here? Where am I going? That brings fear into a lot of people's hearts. It ought to. If you're here today and you're not sure that you're on your way to heaven and you understand the opposite is that the fact if you're not on your way to heaven, the Bible clearly states that you're on your way to hell, that, that brings anxiety. That should bring fear and turmoil and wondering what's going to happen to me afterwards. In fact, even in the, as we get into Mark chapter 4 and 5 here this morning, in the ancient Near East, the, the Bible times, things that people struggled with, especially control over, and they didn't understand, were issues of nature. If someone, if someone had control over nature, they would look and say, this, this guy, is, he's, he's powerful. They had control over the spirit world, you know, our purpose, our, our philosophy, who we are, but even the control over the demons, even the control over death and life itself. And as we look at Mark chapter 4 and 5, we're going to see that Jesus, as he's talking and teaching the disciples, he's going to be showing and demonstrating his control over nature, his control over the spirit world, his control over life and death. And as we, as we go through the passage, I hope that you will see that Jesus is not just looking, and Mark is not specifically just putting a bunch of stories in random order. They're driving us to a point, dealing with this topic of our fears and of faith. So let's, let's look together as, as we go into it. We often, I put it this way, we can have many theological answers to these questions. Where am I going? What's, who's in control of nature? We can, we can answer them theologically. And many of you here can very quickly and very easily, you can, you can lay it out very theologically and say, well, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. Many of it, even, even teens, young adults, you, you've grown up, you've heard good theology, you, you're sound in your doctrine. You could lay, you could lay out answers to those questions. But what happens when we move from the lesson into the laboratory? What happens when life gets real? Do we take the truth, the faith, the doctrine, the beliefs that we have that we hear week in and week out, and how does that translate 
as we move from the lesson time to the laboratory. That's what Jesus Christ does here. In Mark chapter 4, he's spending all this time teaching the crowds. He's teaching them in parables. He's talking to them. He's talking to them about faith. He's talking to them about the kingdom of God. He's talking about entrance into that kingdom. He's talking about how the spread of the gospel, like a mustard seed, it's small, but it quickly grows into something big. And it can, it can generate a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm, and it can grow quickly. And Jesus starts to teach these, these masses of people, and he uses the, the parables to do that. Some of it is to, to hide and to, to prevent them from understanding everything completely. But then Jesus takes the time. If you notice down in Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 33, it says, And many he spoke to them in parables uh, that were able to hear it. But without a parable, he spake not unto them, talking about the disciples. When they were alone, he expounded all these things to him. In other words, when he got alone with the disciples, he clearly taught them. They understood, and Mark highlights it, that he went very, he didn't keep it nebulous, he didn't keep it generic. He got in, he said, this is what it's like. Here's how to have faith. Here's how to enter into the kingdom of God. He took away some of the, the blurriness of the, the parables that sometimes they would have, and he made, it, he made it clear to the disciples. So the disciples are under, they have understanding at this point, and Jesus has taken the time to, to clearly teach them uh, in this passage. So what happens is Jesus has given them the lessons. He said, here's where you're at. Here's what's going on. Here's what you need to know about faith. Here's what you need to know about the kingdom of God. Here's what you need to know about doctrine. And now he's going to take them and he's going to move them into the laboratory. He's going to say, okay, life, life's about to happen. So he looks at the disciples and says, hey, let's get in the boat and let's go over to the other side. And as they, as they, as they get into the boat, uh, going over to the other side, verse 35 says, uh, very specifically, I mean, if you got the red letter edition of the Bible, you see that it's Jesus Christ saying it, let us pass over to the other side. So the disciples at this point are doing and obeying Jesus Christ. In the midst of obeying Jesus, the disciples are sinking in a terrible storm. Now, I'm not going to take the time this morning to go through every detail of every account that's here. I'm going to trust in some of your knowledge of the different, the different stories that, that take place here. And if you say, well, I don't have all of them, let me encourage you this, this week, go back and read through some of these passages. But the disciples get into the boats with Jesus in a boat, and they begin to go across the Sea of Galilee. Known at times for having these quick storms that, that would arise, they're in, the, they're in the boat, and Jesus, lo and behold, decides to take a nap. And he, t- he falls asleep, and he's in the boat, and this storm arises, and it's, it's, it's going all around, and it's to the point where they fear, they fear for their lives. And the disciples are, are afraid. And they get to the point where they're looking around, and they begin to wake Jesus up, and they're saying, Jesus, wake up, wake up. And, and they ask him, they ask him a series of, uh, they ask him a question. They say to him, they say, don't you master, verse 38, don't you care that we are perishing? Which you look at and it's like, well, that's sort of a, a foolish question. But when you look at storms and you think about the storms of our lives, what storms do you face? What storms in our life? You, sure, when we sit here, things are going pretty good. But what happens when we get out? Financial storms? All of a sudden, the bills are coming due, and you don't know how you're going to pay them. You weren't expecting it. You get, uh, you know, you get a letter from the IRS that says uh, you're not getting back what you were told you were getting. You're getting back less. And you're like, what happens? That didn't happen to anybody this week. So um, it was like, wait, we're supposed to get this back, and now you're telling me I'm not getting this back? And it was like, but we need that. We're, 
and it's like, what's going on? Or you, you get to a point where you're, you're in your marriage and things are not going well, and the storm just arises, and there's, there's great conflict in the home. You're battling through, and you're looking and saying, this storm is arising, where all of a sudden, we're sending the kids off to college, our, our, our young adult off to college for the first time. And that might be, to some, oh, that's no problem, but to you, that's, that's a big moment. And it feels like this storm and everything in life is, is going haywire. You get to the point where all of a sudden your, your car dies, down, dies and you're, how am I going to get to work? I can't afford to get, I can't afford to fix the car. All these things start happening. And life hands you different storms. They are going to arise. We know James tells us that the trials from without are going to happen. So as these storms are happening, I mean, the disciples in this case, they are doing what God wants them to do. And yet they are still facing a storm. They're still going through a battle. And they're facing all these different storms and we face them. And so Jesus is awoken to the question, don't you care that we are perishing? This is the disciples questioning Jesus. I mean, this is the same man who's fed them when they were hungry. The same man who said, hey, go fishing and there's a gold coin in there to pay for your taxes. The same man who is, who is caring for them. And they look and they say, don't, don't you care that we're perishing? Of course he cares. But they're, they're pushing this idea of fear a little bit more. In fact, Jesus stands up and he rebukes, he rebukes nature. The word that's actually used is the idea, it's going to come up later on in the passage, of exercises nature. He's, he's like, hush, peace, be still, quiet, stop. And, and he looks, and, and the wording he uses, it's, it's an, immediate, an immediate ceasing of the winds. He tells the winds, he says, hush, stop, be quiet. And then he's going he's gonna to look at the, the disciples, and Jesus is going to question the disciples. He's going to ask them a question. He's going to say, why are you so afraid? He's going to bring in this element of fear with the, with the dynamic of faith. Now, notice there's, there's a word in here, like the word so. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't look and say, fear is wrong. But uncontrolled fear that brings us to the point of paralyzation, uncontrolled fear that begins to bring us to the point of questioning God's goodness and who God is and God's control and God's authority, now we're crossing over into areas that, that we ought not be going as believers. He says, why are you so afraid? Why are you fearful to this point? Fear that is stifling them. Fear that will stop us in our tracks. In our lives, we face that. We get so worked up in the anxiety, so much, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. We were at a, we were at a, a, a ropes course type thing with the kids one day, and they had this little thing that, it was just a little I-beam that goes out, and it's like four feet, and it's like 20 foot up in the air. And I already know that the rope and the, the system that I'm going to, to be tethered into is going to hold me. I've already tested it out when, over a platform that I'm like, all right, it's this thing, all right, it's going to hold me. And it was all good. But when I came to that, Dylan and Zach walk right out. Hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah, walk back in. I look at it, I'm like, and I'm telling my body, move, move, move. And it's like, and I've never felt my legs feel so heavy in my life. And it's like, come on. But the, the whole concept of fearing heights and dropping off of that, even though I knew I was going to be safe, I couldn't do it. I was the only one in the family. I was the chicken of the group. I can handle that. I, I, I couldn't step out onto that beam. It just, it, the fear paralyzed me. But I'm afraid too much in our lives, we allow our circumstances, we allow the storms, the battles that we face to paralyze us. The worry gets so intense that, that we just, we don't do anything about it. We get so worked up about, about the children. 
And we're so worried that, that we don't do, we don't parent the way God says to parent. Or we get so worked up about the finances that, that we say, there's no way I can give back to God. You know, if I give to God, I don't have the money to do this. It's like, wait, God says, do this. I need to, by faith, do it. Why am I so afraid? And he, so he's challenging the disciples and he's saying, look at your fear. Don't you have any faith? Don't, where, where is it at? We've just talked about this, guys. We've just talked about having faith and confidence and faith that has action and faith that is powerful and faith that shows that God's in control and faith that shows that, that he is supreme and, and, and on the throne. And yet, fear overcomes you. And we can look at the disciples and we can cast shadows on them and say, you're, you're so bad. But let's take, a, let's take a reflective look at ourselves for a second. We can sit and sing, how can I fear? Jesus is near. He watches over everything. We can sing, be still and know that I am your God. We can sing that he is still on the throne and behold our God. Who's going to question him? Who could, who could really hold anything against him? He's so brilliant. He's so all-powerful. He's so amazing that I'll bow the knee. And yet, we look in our lives and we allow circumstances that God is well aware of to dominate and control and drive and paralyze us to the point of not doing, to the point of not demonstrating faith and taking a step back and saying, all right, in the midst of my fear, in the midst of my difficulty and my heartache, I still need to be trusting in God. When, when the, the storm of, of death handle, is handed to, it, to you and you look and say, there's nothing else I can do. No, I can still be trusting in God. God, you know that I need your help right now. You know that I'm going to trust in you for the strength to go on each day. And many of you have been through that ordeal. You've commented on how what has got you through it is your faith and your trust in God. So when we face those storms of life, make sure that we are trusting in God. So the disciples now, the, the change takes place. It's really interesting. They go from fearing nature. They're afraid of this storm. So look at their response in verse 41. It says, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? They're not fearing nature anymore, but now they're fearing the one who's in control of it. They're beginning to, they're, they're looking and saying, who is this guy? We thought we knew him, but man, he just told the, the winds to be quiet. He said, hush, and bam, it's done. And do we at times in our lives, do we find ourselves fearing God's goodness? Do we start finding ourselves fearing who God is? Again, it's not, Psalm 56 verse 3 reminds us that what time I am afraid in other words, there are going to be times we're afraid. There are going to be times that, that the storms are, are raging around us, and we're not sure exactly what to do. But in that, he says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. Making sure that when we face those storms, when you are at fear, fear your anxiety is going up, your worry is pushing forward because of whatever, whatever storm you're facing, you need to turn and trust and have faith in God that he is in control looking and saying, what does God's word say about it? What does God have to say in regard to my situation? And he does. Please don't look ever and say, well, God doesn't really, really want to talk about dating relationships, or God really doesn't want to talk about my finance. He talks about all of those principles. Get into God's word, understand what he says, and then by faith, act upon that. Move forward in those, those areas. And so don't allow fear to stifle you. Don't, don't go on and look and say, well, well God doesn't care. You know, it's life's so busy and I've got so many things that I just, I'm going to let my time at church shrink. 
I'm going to let my service to him because the storms of life are so great right now that I can't spend time serving God. I can't financially do it, so I'm not going to give to God. All those dynamics are beginning to doubt who God is, doubt his goodness, and doubt the fact that he is on the throne and that we can trust in him no matter what difficulty, no matter what circumstance arises. Now, they get to the other side of the, the, the lake. They make it across, and the disciples are still wrapping their head around what is Jesus talking about? What is going on? All this idea of fear, all this idea of, of faith happening, and, and who is this man? He's just controlled nature. Now, remember, you control nature in that time, there, there is something unique and special, which we know about. Hindsight tells us. We know, okay, it's Jesus, of course. He's got that, that ability. But now they get across, they go to the other side of the lake. They're going into Gentile territory. They're going into the Decapolis, an area of 10 cities on the, the northeast uh, side of uh, the Sea of Galilee. And as they get into there, they're instantly um, re- going to come into something. But I, I put there for your notes. Fear controls the faithful when they don't focus on the one in control. If I was going to sum up that that first portion there, fear controls the faithful. You can be faithful. You can be consistently here day in and day out, Sunday after Sunday. You're faithful to God. But when we allow fear to drive us and control us and we don't focus on the one in control, fear will stifle us and our faith will not continue to get us through. We must continue to focus on God through our difficulties, through your time. So as I was mentioning, the disciples, they get off the boat with Jesus. And as soon as they get there in Mark chapter 5, and Mark is going to weave the end of chapter 4 and all of chapter 5 together. It's all dealing with these ideas of fear and faith that are, that are going to take place here. As they came over to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes, there came out of the ship as they came out immediately, verse 2, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Who had in his dwelling, who was dwelling among the tombs, no one could bind him, not with chains, because he had been bound often with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder. He just rips them off. The fetters um, on his feet, they're broken into pieces. No man was able to tame, or he's like this wild beast that no one could control. And so now the, now the disciples, they see this, they see this man rushing at them. I'm assuming if it's me, I see this crazed lunatic guy running. There's a little bit of fear. There's a little bit of, okay, wait, what's going on here? But, but this is happening, and the people around, I mean, can you imagine day in and day out, you live, and just around the corner, you hear this guy howling in the middle of the night, you hear him banging and thrashing, you hear him screaming night after night, and you're well aware of it, and the people in the area were well aware of what was happening with this man. And this demon-possessed man comes to Jesus, and he bows down, uh, he runs off, verse 6, and he worships him and cries with a loud voice. He's going to look at Jesus, and he's going to have this conversation. He's saying, Jesus, the Nazarene, what are you going to do with me? What are you, what are you going to do with, with us? The idea that the demons that are, there are with inside of him. And he, so he has this conversation, and what are you going to do? And Jesus is going to look, and he's going to, he's going to say to him, um, it's interesting, he says, don't torment me. Here's this guy who's tormenting these demons who are tormenting this man day after day, night after night. And when they finally have somebody who's bigger and badder than they are, so to speak, they're like, oh, please don't hurt us, don't hurt us, don't hurt us. It's like that classic, you know, you've seen that, the bully, you know, when the bigger bully, oh, please don't hurt me, but, you know, maybe we can tag team this guy. But here Jesus looks and says, here's what I want you to do, verse 8, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what's your name? And he says, my name's Legion, for we are many. And the demon beseeches or besought, uh, besought him, saying, 
Don't send us away out of the country. We want to stay here. We want to stay close by. Uh, can, you, can you send us into the, the, the pigs? And so Legion is cast from the herd of swine down into the pigs, and the pigs run over the cliff. And as they run over the cliff, they're, they're going to drown themselves in that sea. And you would think, I would think, if I'm in that situation, if I live in that town, I'm pretty excited right about now. I'm looking and saying, yeah, way to go, Jesus. All right, we're excited. You've gotten rid of this demon-possessed man. You've, you've tamed him. You've calmed him. None of us have been able to do that, but you were able to do it. But look at the response of the people. Notice, notice what is going to happen here. As, uh, and they that, went, uh, fed the, they that fed the swine, verse 14, uh, when the, and they that fed the swine fled and told it to the city. When they had come out, they had seen what had happened. And they went out to see what it, was, what it was done. And they came to Jesus, and they saw him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion, sitting and clothed and in their right mind, and they were afraid. You would think that you would be fearful of the demon-possessed man who's running around ravaging your city. But again, they notice that there's power and there's control and there's something. Now Jesus exercises power over the spirit realm. And he's highlighting and showing, hey, this is who I am. And they say to him, please, get out, go. Not, oh man, you did this. Why don't you tell us more? We want to hear more about you. But rather they say, please, get out of our country. Leave, flee, go. They don't, they don't, they're not giving the thumbs up. They're giving very much the thumbs down at this point. And so the demon-possessed man, the, the man who was formerly demon-possessed, he looks at Jesus and he's going to say, hey, I, I want to come with you. And we want to we come with. At verse 8, 17, they say, get out of our coast. When he was come to the ship, uh, he, had been possessed, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that I might be able to come with him. So he says, Jesus, can I come with you? And Jesus looks and says, No. And I'm looking and saying, you know, what's, what's going on? So the people, they're struck with fear because of the power of, over the spirit world. And they beg him to leave. The demon-possessed man wants to go with him. And he says, no. And I'm looking, that, that would be my response. If I'm going to say, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? Why can't I go with you? Why can't this demon-possessed man go with Jesus Christ? What a, what a great, I mean... We, we've seen it done through the, the history of, of church at times. Somebody gets saved out of this radical background. You know, they were in Chicago. We got it off. And, you know, this guy was saved out of Hell's Angels Biker Club. And he comes into church. And he's got this amazing testimony. And I'm not dem- diminishing it at all. It's fabulous. But it's like it, it drew people in. They wanted to hear it. They wanted to know about it. And so why not? Yeah, hey, Jesus walks around and says, hey, let me introduce you to the guy who I cast out demons out of. But he looks and says, no, 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 I want you to do something. I want you to stay here. The, the formerly possessed man wants to. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go back. I want you to tell something. Verse 19, he says, you go to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and the compassion that he's had on you. In other words, Jesus looks and says, you go, you don't, don't, don't come with me. You go back. I can't stay here. They're kicking me out. They want me to leave. But I want you to do something. I want you to go and I want you to tell what God has done for you. Talk about how you once were this. You were once chained and bound in sin, 
or bound in, in your fetters with this demon-possessed demon inside of you and how God graciously removed that demon from you. You talk about how God had great compassion upon you and how he moved in, in your life and didn't look at you and run away because of how you looked, but rather God looked at you and had compassion upon you and showed you love and, and, and joy and, and gave you that ability now. Go back and tell your friends that. And we know that that's the case because the next time Jesus shows up in that area, there are, there are followers after followers coming to, to hear more about Jesus. They're not going to repel and reject him. And, and here, I mean, if anybody understood this whole idea of my chains are gone, I've been set free, it's this demon-possessed man. He's understood that he was bound and now he is free. But even in our lives, we want to quickly go somewhere, we want to do something. Do we take the time to demonstrate and to show what God has done for you? Do you take the time to share with others the compassion of God upon your life? Well, Pastor Art, I was just, I was saved when I was four. It's not that, don't cheapen God's grace. Don't look and say, I don't have this amazing testimony of God's grace to me. Yes, you do. If you have been redeemed, if you have been saved out of the shackles of sin, whether at the age of four or 54, you have been able to experience the goodness and the greatness and the compassion of Jesus Christ. Go share that. You tell people about that. You let them know, hey, this is what God has done for me. I find it interesting that it is in the midst of a passage, passage on fear, the whole idea of telling people about God's goodness and God's grace, about the compassion that he's had upon us. We need to go out. We need to be like this man and go tell our friends about God's goodness. If you're here today and you say, well, I've never, I, I, I've never experienced God's compassion of forgiveness. My sins have not been forgiven. I've not been, we talk about being saved. Then I would implore, I beg you, please make today the day that you understand and learn and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Allow those shackles of sin to be torn apart. Allow them to be ripped apart because that's what Christ wants to do for you just like he did for that man. He wants to rip our shackles of sin apart to set us free from the bondage of sin and slavery of sin and set us free so that we can be redeemed, so we can be on our way to heaven. If you're here today and you are not saved, please, today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Accept that gift of Jesus Christ so that you too will have that testimony of God's greatness and God's compassion in our lives. And believers, we ought not even though feared, even though it's fearful at times, we ought not be holding back God's goodness and God's graciousness and his mighty works and his compassion. We need to be telling other people about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Their response, Jesus departs from this land, but the man departs Jesus to the masses. He leaves, Jesus leaves, but that does not mean the message of Jesus is still not going forward. We can take that parallel very quickly. Jesus Christ has left. He is in heaven. He's looking to return one day. But our responsibility is to depart Jesus to the masses. If we, if we feel for any moment that, oh man, we, we look pretty good today. We got a good 80% of our pews filled up. We're doing good. We don't need to really take, take the Jesus Christ to the masses. We're fools. We have a responsibility to get out, to take Jesus Christ to the masses, and to show his goodness and his grace. Sure, it might be fearful, but we need to do it by faith going forward. So Jesus looks and says, hey, the, tra the faithful testimony of a transformed life, if I summed up this, this section this way, the faithful testimony of a transformed life is part of God's plan to transform the fearful into the faithful. People in our world are afraid. They don't know 
They don't have a confidence and a hope like we have. How do we go through the difficulties? How do you endure those storms? How do you face those hard times? It's because of your faith in God. And as people look at you and they see you go through those hard times with faith and with confidence, and they look and they say, where, where is this hope coming from? We ought to be sharing it, talking about it, because God uses our transformed lives to transform people who are fearful into faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We need to be sharing that. And so what happens is Jesus gets on the boat with the disciples and they go back across the Sea of Galilee again. And as they come back to to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, people are there, they're waiting for them. And as they get there, verse 21, uh, it says that as they got over to the other side, many people gathered there. Behold, there came uh, out of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, or Jairus, however you want to say it. Uh, And when he saw him, he falls at the feet of Jesus and he besought him greatly. Again, another beseeching Jesus, going and falling there. And he says, my little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray you, come and lay hands on her that she might be healed and she might live. And Jesus went with him and many people followed and, and thronged about him. So this man, he, he comes to this point where Jairus is there. He's begging Jesus. He's saying, there's nothing I can do. I have no control over this situation. I don't understand why this is happening to my little girl, but I, I know that I need to come to you. I've heard what you can do. When fear is a result of your inability to change your circumstances, have faith. You look and say, man, this, this was a circumstance where there was nothing he could do. There weren't all the medical abilities and, and technologies that we have today. And his daughter is suffering. His daughter is at the, on the brink of death. Nothing else he can do. He can't change anything. And yet he finds in the midst of that the ability to pull himself away from his daughter who you want to be at that bedside. You want to be there giving comfort and, and crying in case there's that moment where she expires and passes and you're not there. Some of you have been through that emotion where you beat yourself up because you weren't able to be at the bedside of a loved one. You know what this man is feeling. He pulls himself away. He goes to find Jesus because he he understands that right now this is my only hope. My only confidence, my only faith that I might have is in this, this man, Jesus Christ. So he falls at the feet of Jesus. He asks Jesus to come. So now Jesus says, okay, let's go. So Jesus is walking with him, and the crowd of people are all pressing around him. They want to know Jesus. And in the middle of this, this woman reaches out and touches Jesus. And Jesus notices right away that virtue went out from him. He noticed that something happened. And he looks at the disciples, and he says, who touched me? And of course, the disciples are like, everybody's touching you. Come on. I mean, we're, we're all being pressed in here. He's like, no, someone, someone specifically touched me. Virtue has went out. Something just amazing just happened, basically. And he stops, and they all look around, and here's this woman off, maybe in the shadows. She's had an issue of blood. She's had this blood disorder for numbers of years. She's exhausted all of her resources. She's spent all of her money. She's been to doctor after doctor. I mean, we would take the idea of she's been poked a million times. She's been given all the experimental drugs that she could possibly be given, and nobody has an answer for this woman whatsoever. She reaches out, and she touches Jesus, and she's healed immediately. Now, you've got to understand the situation she's in. She is continually, she's in a perpetual state of uncleanness to a Jew. So she, in her fear, steps out 
by faith to come into this crowd. She should be nowhere near it because everybody she touches, she's making unclean. She reaches out and she, she through the crowd, just touches Jesus by faith. And she, she reaches out and, and God heals her. And now she has to come for Who's touching me? Nobody knew. Now Jesus knew. But she has to step out in front of everybody who she is now for all these years, not, she's not a crowd person. She's off in the distance. She has to step out and look and say, it was me. And she reaches out, she talks, and Jesus begins to speak with her. And uh, he says, who touched my clothes? Verse 30, the disciples are talking. But the woman, fearing and trembling, there it is, verse 33. There is that fear again, and yet by faith, she comes out. He looks, Jesus even says, daughter, your faith has made thee whole. Verse 34, go in peace and be whole of this plague that's been upon you. Now, this, this whole, they call it a Mark and sandwich. Mark, Mark does this often where he'll have this story and then right in the middle he sandwiches this, this account. So you got this story of Jairus and right in the middle is the story of this woman who by faith, in the middle of her circumstances seeming hopeless, she has faith. She says, Jesus is the only way. I'm going to put my trust. I'm going to, that's what's made me whole. Have you found yourself in circumstances that you feel are completely hopeless? that you look and say, I I can't get through them. I don't know how to endure them. You have faith in Jesus Christ. You have faith in God. God, you're in control. I don't understand this right now. I don't know why we're going through this. I don't know why it feels like our family is falling apart. Lord, I don't know what else to do in this situation. You turn to God. Folks, if if we are continually going to try and just figure it out in our conscience and in our minds and just be all intellectual about everything and we take out the element of faith, we have a spiritual problem. We can't just always look at everything. I'm not dismissing intellectual and and being smart about things and and planning. But if we just go through day after day after day and not saying, if the Lord wills, Lord, what do you have today? How am I going to demonstrate faith? How am I going to trust you in this? How am I going to recognize that in the midst of this difficult time, you're on the throne? Lord, you are. Even when everything seems hopeless, And this idea of hopelessness takes on a whole new meaning to Jairus. Because look in the next verse. Look what happens in verse 34. Or verse 35. It says, While he was yet speaking, while Jesus was speaking to this woman, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house a certain person which said, Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the master anymore. It goes from him pleading and on the way to now his worst, his worst thoughts are realized. When your worst fears are realized, you're in life and your worst fears are realized, the spouse passes away, sometimes tragically. When all of a sudden the child is sick and you don't know what else to do. When the bills come in and you really have no way possible to pay for them. When you get the, the, big, the, the news about cancer and your worst thought is realized, that's hard. But what about when it's someone else because of someone else's choice? What if you're in a situation right now because your spouse has chosen to be unfaithful? You're in a situation right now because your parents can't get along and they just continually to fight and your house is miserable, teens. And you just, you don't know what else to do. You find yourself in a situation where because your boss embezzled funds, you're not getting a paycheck this week. 
you find yourself in a situation because someone else did something, your worst fears are realized. How do you respond? Do you get angry with them? You get angry at God? You don't care for me. See, every time I try to put my faith in you, you just, this happens. And we start to blame God for his goodness. That's what's happening here. Jairus, he was on the way with Jesus. Jesus was going to come and heal his daughter. And then this woman steps out and stops Jesus. We might have been home by then. If Jesus wouldn't have stopped, we would be good. But no, he had to stop. Is she more important than me? Why does she get the blessing and I have to suffer? Why doesn't it go this way? Have you ever found yourself saying that? Why is it going so bad for me? Doesn't God care about me? It seems like he cares for that person. They were able to go through it. And they, you know, their, 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 their spouse was healed of cancer. Why is mine dead? God, don't you care about me? And we go through these elements and we, we face these fears that they stifle us. They paralyze us. And when they're because of someone else's choices, they're very difficult. So when I am afraid, I put my trust in Jesus. There's this whole idea out there. Everybody wants to wear these shirts about keep calm and whatever. Keep calm and love the, love the ocean. Yeah, not, not me. We were supposed to go to the beach this week and it got rained out and I was not sad whatsoever. You don't have to tell my kids that at all, but they know. It's, uh, you know but you look through this whole idea of keeping calm. It's, it's out there because people are living in a state of fear. We live in anxiety. We live in worry. And if we take the element that Jesus Christ is saying is so vital to our lives, when we go through those hard times, if we take the element of faith out, we are going to struggle. We are going to find ourselves consumed by what is happening. What it comes down to is when fear is a factor, and it's going to be a factor in our lives, we're going to face some hard times. We're going to find ourselves in storms. We're going to find ourselves in storms that are allowed by God into our lives. We're going to find ourselves in situations where we can't control it. We're going to find ourselves in situations where all of a sudden things happen because of someone else's choices. We each morning have a decision to make. Am I going to let fear control Am I going to let fear drive me today and stifle my abilities and stop me from doing what I need to do? Or am I going to fall on my face before God? As all these individuals, they besought the Lord, they're falling at his feet and saying, Lord, you are the one who can help me. Lord, you are the one who can help my daughter. They go, they go to the point of this, this situation with the daughter and the people are laughing. They're like, you can't do anything about it. She's dead already, and, and he's, no, 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 he's not, she's not dead. She's, she's just sleeping. He goes in, he heals his daughter. She, she rises, and God shows, again, Jesus Christ shows himself powerful over death. We look, and we have, go all the way back, this whole, all of this is going to the disciples. He's teaching the disciples and saying, why are you so afraid? Folks, it's not that we won't be afraid. But we cannot allow our fear, our anxiety, our worries, our phobias to dominate our life. We must take that first step of saying faith in Jesus Christ. 
Taking that step and saying, God, you are on the throne. I sing about it all the time at church. God, I know it from my theology. I know you are sovereign in the affairs of men. I know that you are very well aware of each hair on my head. God, I know that you know all the sands in the, in the seashore. God, I know that when a sparrow falls, you know who that, that, what that sparrow, you know, where it fell. You know all the names of the stars. Yet yeah, you know everything, and I know that, and I have that doctrine, and I have that belief. But right now, I'm just too fearful, and I don't want to trust you. We cannot do that. You wake up. When fear is a factor, you must factor in faith. Looking and saying, God, you're in control. God, help my faith to be active as we learned last week. Help me to go forward in my race. When the difficulties arise, pressing on. Looking and saying, God, you are the one who's in control. No matter what I'm facing, Basically, if you look through the Gospel of Mark, Mark is driving at this question with the disciples. You call yourself a disciple. You call yourself a follower of Jesus. Let me ask us this then. Are we controlled by fear? Are we controlled by faith? I pray that as we go forward in life, as we leave the lesson room, and we go out into the laboratory of life this week, and we face those difficulties, we are going to look and say, God, I don't understand it all, but by faith I'm going forward. I'm going to find out what your word has to say. I'm going to find out who you are and how this applies to my life. God, I'm going to take what I have learned and I'm going to put it to practice this week. Help me, Lord, to have faith in your goodness. Help me to have faith in your sovereignty. Help me to have faith in all that you know, that you know all things and that you're well aware of my difficulties. And let God use that. Let God use that faith in him to propel you through those fearful times. Lord, I pray that you would help us. That you would help us to trust you in the midst of our tribulation. Lord, to have faith in the midst of our fears. To have good doctrine in the midst of all of our difficulties. Lord, we know so much about you. We've tried to to learn, and we know we will never be able to completely grasp your vastness. But Lord, the, the little bit that you have allowed us to understand, God, I pray that you would help us this week to take that and to put it into to practice, especially when we're having difficulties, when we're facing these fearful times, when we're facing worry and anxiety, when we're up all night stressing about Whatever it is, Lord, help us to trust and rest in you. Help us to give it to you, the small things, the big things. Help us to know that you are God and you are in control. You're the God over nature, the God over the spirit realm. You're the God over life and death. Lord, help us to practice that. Lord, we thank you for the way your word so boldly speaks to us. And I pray that we would have genuine faith in our lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I mentioned in the message about faith in Jesus Christ. Not sure you're on your way to heaven. And that first step of having this ability to go through his hard times is having genuine faith, salvation. Having put your confidence and your trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe there's someone here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Art, I am not sure I'm saved. I'm not, in fact, I'm not even not sure I know I'm not saved. And today, 
Would you pray for me that I would have the confidence to overcome the fear to come talk with somebody about getting saved? If that's you, you'd say, I need to get saved today. Please pray that I would have the, the lack of fear to go forward and live by faith. Would you just raise your hand just so I can pray for you? I won't embarrass you. I won't point you out. You say, thank you. Anyone else say, I, I know I need to get saved and I need to overcome that fear. Thank you. Anyone else? Lord, I pray for these that have raised their hand and said, we're not sure we're saved and I need to overcome that fear of going and talking to somebody. Lord, give them the confidence to come and talk with one of the staff or someone maybe who brought them. But Lord, give them the confidence to, to come and to know you as Savior and to learn about you and to be able to grasp onto you and to know that their chains of sin have been set free. Lord, for those of us who are here, are saved, Lord, give us faith to go forward. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's stand to our feet. We're going to have the instrumentalists play. We have some of our staff who are over at the side door. If you're here today and you say, I need to get saved. I need to overcome that fear. I need to go talk with somebody and ask them how I can get saved and know that I'm on my way to heaven. Why don't you do that right now? Even as the summer moving, the staff are moving over that direction, it's just to your right. Go over to that door and just say, I need to get saved. I need to talk with somebody. Why don't you go ahead and do that now? Guarantee anybody around you is not going to be laughing or upset. They're going to be excited for you. Believers, we're asking ourselves, how's our faith in the midst of our fear? Do you factor in faith? when fear is a genuine factor in your life. God, we thank you that you do care and that we can say, yes, you care and we know you care. Lord, help us to live that out this week as we face hard times, as we face good times, but no matter what, help us to factor faith into our lives. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You're dismissed.